This is episode 195 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Purse Carry, CCW, and Police Interactions, and Ingrown Toenails Off the Grid. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, uh, welcome to episode 195. I want to remind you, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, which I record the Monday evening, actually, um, yeah, Monday evening, I'm saying it's kind of late right now, uh, really, really late. Uh, so I thought maybe it'd already be Tuesday morning, but it's not. Uh, so um, Monday evening, and then uh, on Tuesday. So if you're listening to it on Tuesday, uh, tonight's the night that we're gonna do the, uh, the the Facebook Live building an effective EDC kit. So I've been talking about this for a couple of days. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be again uh, Tuesday, November 21st. So if you're listening to it on Tuesday today. November 21st at 7 p.m. Central Time on Facebook Live. And so I'm going to come on a little bit earlier than 7 o'clock and uh, just to kind of kick things off a little bit and get set up and get going. And then uh, I don't know how long it'll be. This will be my first time doing something like this. Although I do it for church, but it's not in a real uh, interactive type thing. I do more of a kind of like a message type thing on Facebook Live. Uh, This will be just a little bit more. Uh, at least I'll try to do a little bit more interactive and we'll see how that goes. Uh, so really looking forward to it. So if you get a chance, uh, come check us out on the Facebook page. I'm linking to it in the show notes. And so you can easily go over there. You can like it. And that way you'll be, uh, you should be informed whenever I go live. It should let you know, hey, Prepper website is going live. Uh, but if not, you just come, uh, you know, come over to the Facebook page and it will, uh, you know, you'll be able to see the live um, the live video cast at that time. So really looking forward to it, hoping, hoping that you'll join me uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. Hey, we also got another review, and this is kind of a more of a personal one. A fr- actually, a friend of mine, a teacher that um, uh, I used to work with at uh, the last campus I was at. So, uh, you know, this is uh, it's personal to me. Uh, but anyway, she says, great articles and commentary. She's calling herself Crazy Mama, although I know who she is. Uh, it says, Todd, I really enjoy your podcast. I do not always have the luxury or energy as a teacher to look for articles about preparedness. I enjoy listening to your commentary, and it's very helpful to have the articles read aloud. I can listen from anywhere at any time. I'm a teacher at an elementary school where Todd and I used to work together. I listen to the podcast as I grade papers or clean up my classroom. Anytime someone comes in, I'm, uh, I'll say, hang on, I have to pause Todd. And they usually say, I thought that voice was familiar. Anyway, great job, Todd, and keep up, keep them coming. So uh, anyway, thank you, Crazy Mama, for doing that. I appreciate uh, the reviews. I appreciate any reviews on, on uh, iTunes or anywhere else, actually. Um, they always help the algorithms kind of keep going and uh, get you up there. So if they see that people are interacting with your, uh, with your podcast, you know, they'll kind of move you in that you know in a direction where more people will see you so that's always helpful to get the the podcast out there to more listeners really appreciate that hey if you're new to the podcast i'd like to welcome you thanks for uh joining us uh, if you are you know new to preparedness 
Uh, we'll tackle a lot of preparedness here. Uh, we'll also welcome you to come over to uh, prepperwebsite.com where we, uh, we post anywhere between 8 to 12 articles uh, every evening, new articles that are out there in the preparedness community that are relevant. <clears throat> so if you're, uh, you're new to preparedness and you're, and you're learning, uh, you're welcome to, uh, to come over to Prepper website. And you're also welcome to the Facebook group. Um, I'm linking to that also in the, the show notes. And so, or you can always come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and uh, just hit free Facebook group. It'll take you over there and you can just join or uh, request to join and we'll get you in there. And uh, it'll just, it's a place where you can feel free to ask questions and uh, no one's going to make fun of you or dog you or anything like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great people out there uh, trying to be very helpful and provide information to you. And so that's the point, is that we grow, that we learn, that we become more self-reliant and uh, not so dependent on all the other things out there, all the other systems, uh, because uh, when it comes down to it, you are responsible for yourself and for your family, and you need to do a good job of taking care of them. So uh, welcome you. If you're new, welcome to the podcast and to the preparedness community, or maybe you're just kind of just checking it out and seeing, uh, hey, what is all this stuff about? Uh, you know, there, there's a, a lot to learn, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, stick around and hear a little bit about that and uh, continue on with us. Um, and so uh, I think there's a lot of great information here. So let's go ahead and move on to our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from ActiveResponseTraining.net. And uh, Greg over there is, uh, he's a police officer. He also does some training. And uh, I love it because he always talks about, uh, he always brings up scenarios and uh, talks a little bit about those and, and uh, all different types of scenarios. So we try to always post his stuff over on Prepper website. This one is specific to purse carry and then uh, CCW. Uh, can still can, uh, carry, uh, and so uh, you know different different states have different laws, but I think this will apply to everyone because just talking specifically about uh, police stops and uh, you know how you can handle yourself better, and even if you know even uh, the guys that are out there listening to this, uh, there's some good information for you as well, and so uh, hopefully it'll help someone out there. So let's get started on this one. I've heard some true horror stories about traffic stop interactions between cops and people with concealed carry handgun license. To be honest, while I occasionally hear about CCW carriers doing stupid things from my cop friend, I hear far more stories from my gun students about police officers acting paranoid and unprofessional while dealing with a legal CCW carrier on a traffic stop. I hear stories about cops immediately drawing guns upon being informed that the CCW licensee is armed. I hear stories about cops handcuffing CCW carriers quote-unquote for their safety and seizing carry guns for the duration of the stop. I've had friends tell me how scared cops have taken their CCW gun, disassembled it, and given it back to the motorist in pieces at the conclusion of the traffic stop. Bearing an exceptionally rare circumstance, all of these actions are overkill on the part of the cops who perform them. I hate hearing stories about my fellow cops victimizing CCW carriers for exercising their legal right to protect themselves. I do what I can to avoid treating CCW carriers with paranoia. I work hard to ensure that, that should I stop a CCW licensee 
the encounter goes positively for both both of us. After all, if the person I'm stopping has gone the, through the trouble of getting a CCW license, I know he doesn't have a serious criminal record. If the CCW carrier informs me that he or she is carrying, I know that that person is trying to obey our state's LE notification law and probably isn't trying to kill me. On my typical traffic stop with a CCW carrier, our dialogue usually sounds something like this. Officer, I have a concealed carry permit and I'm supposed to tell you I'm carrying a gun. Cool, where is the gun right now? It's in a holster in my right front pant pocket. Okay, please don't touch it during the duration of the stop. That's it. No handcuffing, no unloading guns, no drawing my own weapon in response. These stops don't need any more drama than any other traffic stop I make. In fact, I'm more inclined to give the CCW carrier, carrier a warning rather than a ticket if the cause of the stop was just a minor traffic violation. I also usually end up thanking them for undertaking the responsibility to care for themselves by going armed. I've never had a problem with any of the CCW licensees I've stopped since our state first allowed concealed carry more than 10 years ago. With this said, I stopped a person for speeding last week. She had a CCW license and was carrying her gun. The stop was a little more challenging than some other stops I've conducted. I think both CCW carriers and my cop readers could benefit from reading about what happened. Before making the traffic stop, I had already run the woman's license plate. I knew the owner of the car had a CCW license. I approached the car, introduced myself, and notified the woman why I was stopping her. She was smiling, seemed very friendly, and wasn't aggressive in the least bit. The dialogue went in a similar fashion as the example above with a slight wrinkle. Officer, I have a concealed carry permit and have my gun with me. Okay, where's the gun now? It's in my purse right here on the passenger seat. Great, please don't touch it while I have you stopped. Do you have your driver's license? Yes, it's in my purse right next to my gun. See, that complicates things a bit. As a concealed carrier, can you see how the action might be troublesome from the perspective of the cop pulling you over? I don't really think you want to hurt me, but if I instruct you to reach into your purse for your license and you decide to draw your gun instead, I am way behind the action reaction curve and will likely take a couple of rounds before I get my gun into play. Even if the cop doesn't think you are a threat, most cops still don't want to place themselves at such a disadvantage should their assessment of your interaction or your intentions be incorrect. The driver in this stop realized what was going on and recognized that if she went for the license I requested, it might look like she was drawing her gun. I told her that I understood what was happening and requested that she slowly retrieve her license from her purse without touching the gun. She did so and handed me her license. Everything worked out fine, but I'm a cop who has spent almost two decades training responsible armed citizens. I'm someone who is comfortable around people hand handling guns. Many officers are not. Many officers would not have wanted a CCW carrier to reach anywhere near their weapon and might have escalated the incident. I think this case provides an excellent instructional example for both my CCW readers and my fellow cops. What could she or I have done to prevent a mistaken shooting and ensure that we both have a more positive interaction? If you are a person who carries a gun in your purse, do you carry your ID or permit in the same bag? Do you see how that might be problematic during a traffic stop? 
What can you do to avoid creating a hazardous situation if you get stopped by a cop who is a little more paranoid and twitchy than I am? At the conclusion of the traffic stop, I talk to the driver about a better option. You know the cop will be requesting your driver's license and CCW permit on a traffic stop. If they are physically in close proximity to your concealed firearm, it might be a better idea to pull them out as soon as you are stopped and have them in hand by the time the officer approaches your car. That way, you won't be reaching toward the weapon while the cop is standing nearby. Some cops don't like this idea. A lot of cops don't want anyone reaching into any part of the vehicle while the traffic stop is taking place. I can understand that concern, but in actuality, probably 80% of the people I stop immediately reach into wallets, purses, and glove compartments to get the documents they know the cop will be requesting. People do it so often that it's almost impossible to prevent. Why not just let the person gather his or her documents before making the approach? I usually sit in the car for a couple of seconds after the stop, allow them to get whatever they are grabbing, and then make my approach. I stay behind the vehicle, B-pillar, where it is hard for a driver to see me until I verify that there are no weapons in the driver's hands. In this case, if the driver had accessed her driver's license before I got out of the car, she would have she wouldn't have to reach near her gun when I'm standing at her window. I think it's a good solution. This isn't solely relevant for the ladies carrying purses. Some guys pocket carry small pistols behind their wallet so that the wallet will disguise the outline of the gun in the pocket. It's an identical situation. Reach for your ID or reaching for your ID puts your hand uncomfortably close to the gun. Have your ID in hand before you notify the cop you are carrying. For my cop readers, how could you handle this situation in a safer manner if you didn't want to just let the driver reach into her purse? Here are a couple of options. Option 1. Don't ask for the ID or permit. You can determine a driver's status and CCW permit information by running their license on your MDT. You don't actually need to see their OL. Ask the driver to keep, your hand, to keep her hands on the steering wheel and give you her name and date of birth. Run the license on your computer and she won't have to reach towards her purse. Option 2. Ask for permission to obtain the, the license yourself. If the driver agrees, have her exit the vehicle and stand by the front of the car while you reach into the car and obtain her license from the purse. Most drivers wouldn't pro would probably agree to this, but while safe, it seems a little excessive to me. I'd probably only use the technique if my MDT was down and I couldn't verify driving and permit status via the cruiser computer. Cops really don't want to shoot law-abiding citizens. Citizens don't want to be mistakenly shot. It's incumbent on both parties to work to make sure their common goals are achieved. Citizens need to look at their actions from their perspective of a sacred, I'm sorry, of a scared police officer and do as much as possible not to make a potentially unstable situation any worse. Cops need to recognize that not everyone with a gun should be treated like a criminal. My cop friends need to think through scenarios like this and pre-plan a response that is safe for both themselves and the citizens they have stopped. All right. Uh, good, good article, I think, there by Greg. And thanks so much, uh, uh, Greg, for, for you know, being the type of police officer that you are uh, and being one of the good guys and providing uh, you know, the, uh, the advice here to not only to readers but also to fellow police officers who I know that you know go through your training and uh, read read your articles as well. 
So uh, very good information. Uh, yeah, we, I was always told that uh, you know you want to have your your license and your your uh, you know concealed carry or your firearm license out with you, uh, and sometimes that does mean reaching for it before the police officer gets there. So um, you know that's something that you probably uh, want to practice if you are a concealed handgun license carrier. Or um, if you're not, maybe you start thinking about being a concealed handgun license carrier with all the craziness going on in the world, uh, you know, in, in crime on the rise and things like that. Um, it is one of, uh, you know, it's one of your rights that you're able to do. Uh, we really shouldn't even have to, you know, go through the licensing thing. But uh, that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother article uh, to, to deal with. But I think uh, we have some good advice here. Uh, police officers. Uh, there's a lot of good police officers out there. Unfortunately, the ones, um, you know, the ones that uh, are are not as good. You know, they're they, well. I guess it's not unfortunate. Fortunate because we want the the word to get out there um, because you know there needs to be uh, people held accountable. Um, I always remember. Uh, I think it was Jack Spierko was he was talking about that. You know, uh, a police officer is a it's, they're not military. They're just uh, a citizen who has, the, by their job description, they are allowed to carry a gun and make arrests and, and different things like that. Um, and so, you know, you, you always kind of, you know, consider that. Now, uh, can it be scary? Yeah, uh, especially with uh, police officers losing their lives. I know uh, back after Ferguson, uh, the protests in Ferguson were happening. Uh, there was cops. I mean, they were just being shot, you know, crazy. And uh, it's still kind of happening. It's not not as frequently, I guess. Um, but it's, it does happen more than you have heard about it in the past. Uh, you know, in the past, it used to never happen like that. Now it's like you, you hear it happening a little bit more often. Uh, you know, there was a border patrol down, uh, you know, on the Texas border that was killed. And, uh, you know, it's just, it is a dangerous, dangerous job. And um, so you can kind of understand a little bit of their paranoia. So it is beneficial to try to um, mitigate, you know, any, any, anything that could cause a police officer to, uh, you know, think twice. Um, you want them to be able to focus on what they need to focus on. And you don't want to cause, you know, any, any more problems than, than, uh, than you really, really need to. So I think there's a lot of good advice and things to consider. Um, you know, most people don't get stopped by police uh, very, very often. So it's good to uh, have these re little reminders. That's over at activeresponsetraining.net. And like I said, uh, Greg always posts some good stuff and uh, not a lot of links in this one. In fact, I don't see any links at all. Uh, normally when he does do the... Um, when he does do scenarios and stuff like that, he's usually going off of a of a, a real article that he's read and, and he's bouncing off of that. And so you can always link to that. But on this one, no real articles or no real links, but uh, he always has great information. And of course, I don't read every article uh, here on the podcast, so you can go check out his website. All right, our next article comes to us from two of my favorite people in the preparedness community. You know who they are. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy over at doomandbloom.net. And uh, this one is, man, this is, I'm telling you, this is, you're going to want to go to this, this article just to see the nasty toenails, man, because this one is ingrown toenails off the grid. And, uh, you know, something that you, you need to consider. I, um, uh, luckily, I've never had, 
I've had some uh, that were starting to get to, you know to that ingrown toenail uh, uh, starting to go that way, and I was able to take care of it of my uh, you know, on my own here at the house. But I've had uh, I had a cousin who had to get his his toenail completely removed, man, because uh, he had a bad uh, you know ingrown toenail situation going on. But uh, yeah, so when when you think about ingrown toenails and stuff like that. Um, it's very easy nowadays to go to the doctor, go to, go to a podiatrist, go get that taken care of. But what happens when you're off the grid? How do you, you know, when, if there is a, a crisis, if there is a collapse scenario and you, you're dealing with this and quite possibly you might be dealing with this because there's all kinds of different things going on and, and uh, the shoes that you're wearing and the amount of uh, work, you know, work and walking and, and, and all those kinds of things that you're doing. Um, it's just going to be a different situation, so you might encounter these. Uh, and so uh, just know that as I read this one, there's always, always medical terms that uh, Dr. Bones loves to throw in there. And uh, he, loves to, he loves, loves to trip me up. Of course, he doesn't do it just for me. Uh, he's out there giving you the correct uh, terminology, the cr correct medical terminology, because he is a real uh, retired uh, doctor. And uh, Nurse Amy is a real retire, retired nurse and nurse practitioner. So, um, you know, they're not playing doctor and nurse out there on a website. They're the real deal. So they give you the real medical terms uh, as well as break it down for you so that it's easy to understand for, for anyone because they really want um, their, their mission is really to have, uh, you know, somebody in, in every group who can operate as a medic. medic and uh, help with uh, medical situations. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into this one. Know that I'm going to suffer just a little bit on some of these terminologies, but uh, hey, I think you're, if you've been listening to the podcast, you're used to that, right? All right, so here we go. Ingrown toenails off the grid. In the typical zombie apocalypse movie or TV show, you'll see gunshot wounds and broken bones. Off the grid, however, minor conditions can be a major detriment to the performance of many activities of daily survival. One of these is the ingrown toenail, also known as onychocryptosis. You rugged individualists out there might think toenail problems are no big deal. That is until you have one. When you have to be at 110% efficiency just to survive, you don't want to be in pain every time you take a step. In the worst scenarios, ingrown nails can cause skin ulcers, blood infections, also called sepsemia, or even total loss of circulation, gangrene. Your fingernails and toenails are made up of proteins called keratin. It is the substance that forms the claws and coverings of horns and hooves of animals. When we refer to issues involving nails, we refer to it as unguol, from the Italian word for claw, unguis. Well, I hope I said that one right. <laughs> the nail consists of several parts. They include the nail plate. This is the hard covering of the end of your finger or toe, what you consider to be the nail. The nail bed. The skin directly under the nail plate, made up of dermis and epidermis, just like the rest of your skin. The superficial epidermis moves along, moves along with the nail plate as it grows. Vertical grooves attach to superficial epidermis, to the deep dermis. In older people, the nail plate thins out and you can see the grooves if you look closely. Blood vessels and nerves run through the nail bed. 
the nail or germinal matrix, the portion or root at the base of the nail under the cuticle that produces new cells for the nail plate. You can see a portion of the matrix in the light half moon, the lunula, visible at the base of the nail plate. This determines the shape and thickness of the nail. A curved matrix produces a curved nail. A flat one produces a flat nail. An ingrown toenail occurs when the edge of the nail grows downward and into the skin of the toe. It can occur for a number of reasons, but poorly fitting shoes and poorly trimmed toenails are the most common causes. The big toe is usually affected, but any toenail can become ingrown. Symptoms of an ingrown toenail. The skin along the edge of a toenail that is ingrown may appear red, swollen, painful, or worn to the touch. These are signs not only of pressure on the skin, but also the beginning of an infection. If not treated, the condition worsens, possibly even leading to the drainage of pus. Ingrown toenails in your shoes. Shoes that are either too tight or too loose can cause ingrown toenails. If too loose, it causes continual pounding of your big toe against the inside due to mo movement within the shoe as you walk. With shoes that are too small for your foot or even high heels, extra pressure is placed on your toes which prevents normal nail growth. Improper trimming. Nails that are not trimmed properly can also cause ingrown toenails. This happens when your toenails are trimmed too short or you cut your toenails in a rounded fashion instead of straight across. Rounded cuts are appropriate for fingernails but not toenails. The edges of the nails will tend to curl downward and grow right into the skin. Other causes. While the above problems can be rectified, some less avoidable factors like uh, heredity, injuries, or medical conditions may also cause ingrown toenails. Some people are born with nails that are curved and naturally tend to curve inward. Injuries to the nail bed can also cause ingrown toenails, especially if it affects the germinal matrix the living part of the nail that produces new cells. People with diabetes or other illnesses that cause, cause poor circulation are also at higher risk for these problems. A diabetic, for example, may experience nerve damage and not realize that excessive pressure is being applied to the toes by ill-fitting shoes. They may not even notice that the nail is growing into the skin. Of course, in normal times, there are doctors like podiatrists or orth orthopedic specialists you should visit to deal with the problem. Off the grid, however, here are some tips on how to treat an ingrown nail. Soak the foot in warm water with Epsom salt three to four times a day. In between soaks, keep those toes dry. Use an antiseptic to decrease the bacterial count in the area. Place a small piece of moist cotton wax dental floss or other material under the nail to help it grow away from the skin. Consider wearing sandals until improved. And there's a picture here that has a small little toothpick it looks like that is trying to prop up the uh, uh, the nail and trying to separate it from uh, what looks like it's ingrown. And uh, definitely this toenail was cut, uh, wasn't cut straight across, it's like cut at a diagonal which uh, is, is very important actually when you're talking about ingrown toenails and cutting your toenails correctly. So aggressive treatment. At some point you may have no choice but to intervene more aggressively. In these circumstances you may have to remove the offending segment of nail. Take the ingrown curved side about one-fifth of the nail plate width or less. 
you may have to cut all the way down to the base in some cases. This procedure is more easily done after injecting some numbing medicine into the area, such as lidocaine. Avoid lidocaine with epinephrine. It may compromise the circulation and possibly lead to gangrene. If you have plain lidocaine, consider establishing a digital block. See below. And so there is a, a video here of a digital block in uh, the big toe. It looks like a needle going right into uh, the big toe. So those of you that are squeamish, but those of you that want some more information on, hey, what to expect and look for, definitely you need to come check this one out. Okay, after ingrown toenail removal, if the toe is infected, antibiotics might be appropriate. Triple antibiotic ointment may be helpful here, but oral antibiotics such as Keflex or Fishflex or Clindamycin, fish sin, and amoxicillin, fish mox forte, may be necessary. For more information about antibiotics, go here for the first of a four-part series. Guys, that link right there is something you definitely want to go check out. Those uh, uh, The four-part series on antibiotics, I've referred to, to those uh, quite often in the past, not just in the podcast, but uh, just in articles and uh, in talking with people. So definitely you want to go check that information out. And of course, there uh, this information is also in their book, the Survival Medicine Handbook, which I believe everybody, every prepper should have. Uh, I think it's that important. All right, continuing on. If a portion of the nail is cut off, patience is required as it will take months for the nail to regrow. If you have a genetic tendency towards ingrown toenails, be prepared to deal with recurrences. Wearing properly fitted and protective shoes, managing medical conditions, and teaching appropriate food foot grooming methods will make sure that the steps on your journey to medical preparedness won't be painful ones. For my YouTube video on this topic, click below. So uh, there's, you know, definitely a lot of links here, a couple of videos, uh, links to some good articles, and uh, of course always the, the graphics and the pictures that uh, are, are very beneficial when you're trying to, you know, figure out, uh, you know, different procedures and different things here. Uh, they do a good job of providing a lot of information over here at Doom and Bloom. So you definitely want to go check those out. You know, one of the things that we don't always hear about in preps are toenail clippers and fingernail clippers, you know. Um, that's, you know, uh, one of the things, if, if I get around to talking about my little urban survival kit, um, it's, it's kind of funny. It's not really a survival, but... Uh, it's survival as far as what I need for, you know, every day, like at work and things like that. And for some reason, my nails, my nails grow very, very, my toenails, I mean, not my toenails, my fingernails. So I'm like, a, or all my nails, actually. So I'm, uh, I know I'm going to be like a, uh, like a wuss uh, here. <laughs> uh, so my, my fingernails grow really, really fast. And uh, so it always seems, you know, I'm, I'm trimming them, especially when I play guitar for church and different things like that. Um, I'm always trimming them, um, but they always feel like they're catch, they catch on something, and so I'm always trying to file them down. So I keep, uh, you know, some fingernail clippers and a small emery board uh, that I've cut down to size in one of my Altoid tins because it always seems to, to be beneficial. And I don't know about you, but I have this thing that if I feel like a, a nail isn't, uh, you know, is, is, isn't, doesn't feel right, like I'm always messing with it, you know, so it's like just go ahead and deal with it. But it's not something that we really talk about for, you know, SHTF or if we're really in a collapse scenario, um, you know, you might have that to those toenail clippers somewhere around the house or whatever and you go looking for them every time you need them. But do you have some really, a really good pair uh, or do you have multiple pairs, some redundancy there 
uh, if you know th you know this was going on. So I think it's one of those uh, things that you really you know should consider, and it's an easy prep to have. And if you really needed it, you know, you'll be glad that you have it. And uh, of course, you're always going to need it because you need to trim your nails, and you want to make sure you're doing a good job because if uh, you can prevent things like ingrown toenails, you want to do that uh, when the poop hits the fan. So. Uh, good article here, and it's one of those things about just uh, being smart and uh, preventative maintenance, taking a little bit of care uh, for yourself so you don't wind up in uh, situations where you have infections that you have to deal with and, and antibiotics that you have to take. So uh, come check out this article over at doomandbloom.net. Like always, I will link to every uh, I, I link to every article in the show notes. So if your podcast catcher allows you to see show notes then you have a direct link uh, to these articles as well as to other things that I provide for you that are, might be of interest to you. Uh, and like the Facebook, uh, the link to the Facebook page uh, where tonight we will be having uh, that Facebook live video, information video on uh, building an effective EDC kit. And, uh, and then I'll also share with you my favorite EDC kit. So looking very, uh, looking very much to that. That's uh, kind of excited about that. So hope you can join me on that one. So uh, hey, we've been talking about, uh, or I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, some of you are definitely, you might be listening to this while you're already uh, on the road. Uh, you might be considering going to, or you, you will be traveling to families. Uh, hey, be careful out there and make sure that you take some uh, preparedness precautions, right? So uh, make sure that you have, um, those of you that are up north, you have uh, winter supplies in your vehicle just in case for whatever reason. You never know what's going to happen. That's why we prepare. And so you may, you have winter supplies in your vehicle. Make sure you have a first aid kit. Everyone, every vehicle should have a first aid kit that you can keep like under a, uh, you know, under one of the, the chairs or in a trunk or something like that. And then I think it's always good practice that if you are traveling, that you let family members know what route you're going to take. You know, uh, let them know, hey, uh, even if it's in a text message or an email, hey, uh, we're going to be heading out at this time on this day. We're going to be going boom, boom, boom this way, this route, this highway, and uh, we'll be, you know, we should be at your house by this time. And so that is always a, you know, good advice there, beneficial uh, information, just so your family is, isn't uh, worried about you, and so they know. Uh, if something happens, they know how to uh, how to find you. They know what route you took. All right. So uh, advice there that I hope everyone follows when it comes to uh, traveling, especially with winter conditions out there. Uh, you know, there, you always always hear about stories uh, of people you know getting lost or cars breaking down and people having to spend the the evening in their vehicle and it was miserable and freezing and even uh, sometimes there there it doesn't end well. So we don't want any of that to happen to anybody who's listening to this podcast. We want you to be prepared and make sure you're making good choices out there. And so it's, it doesn't take a long time to do that. It's not hard to prepare. It's really easy. You just got to be uh, disciplined to just, you know, take care of it and get it done. All right, guys. So with that, uh, thanks so much for listening to episode 195. If you get a chance, feel free to come over to episode 195 on the prepperwebsitepodcast.com. Leave me a comment in the comment section, or you can always hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Love to connect with listeners out there. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.